Well, good morning. How are we all doing today? It's the warmest day so far since I've been here, so that's, that's, all things are looking up, right? Well, I, I told you, those of you that have been here this whole weekend, uh, last week it was 82 degrees in Southern California, and I landed and it was 28, so like the exact opposite. But uh, you know what? I've had an amazing time here uh, talking to the youth and, and uh, being able to experience what God's doing here at this church. This is an exciting place. And so coming from California, um, you know, I had really no idea what to expect. And when I got here, I was so, so pleasantly surprised and excited about what God's doing here at this church and excited to see the impact that this church is having in students' lives. I mean, it's really amazing. And so thank you to Willoughby Hills, friends, for hosting this event. And uh, it's just been a joy for me to be here uh, and to represent Friends Church in your Belinda. Um, all the way from uh, 15 minutes from Disneyland. It kind of gives you a little bit of a reference point of where I'm from. So I'm glad to be here. And uh, for those of you who haven't been here, we're going to recap a little bit of what we've been looking at. Uh, Friday night, we talked about how God has given each of us a story to tell and how each one of those stories, those individual stories, help make up God's epic love story for the world. All of us have a story to tell, and together God uses those to tell his epic love story to the world. And then last night, we talked about having a decided heart. I have decided to follow Jesus because I have a decided heart. And today, we're going to continue to talk about that story and that decided heart and how God's going to take your past to shape your present to prepare you for your future. God's going to take your past to shape your present and to prepare you for your future. So would you pray with me as we begin this morning? God, I know that you want to speak uh, today to us, God. I know that you've been speaking to me as I've been preparing, God. And Lord, I pray that these words would not be my words, Lord. They're just words. But Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would make them be transformational in the lives of all of us, God, as we open up your word and we read from it today. Would you, would you encourage us? Would you motivate us, God? Would you help us leave here today uh, ready to change the world, wherever that may be, God? And would we be a true reflection of you to all that we meet for the glory of Jesus Christ? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, would you turn to John, the book of John in the New Testament, John chapter 5. We're going to read maybe a familiar story to some of you about the invalid at the pool in Bethesda. Uh, So John chapter 5, I'm going to start reading at verse 2. It says, now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And once this man was cured, at once this man was cured, he picked up his mat, and he walked. And the day on which this took place was a Sabbath, and so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and to walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sitting or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus. It was Jesus who had made him well. 
God is using your past to shape your present, to prepare you for your future. Do you want to be made well? It was a simple question. Do you want to be healed? But I think many times we're like that invalid. We don't answer because we truly don't know what to say. I mean, some of us would rather stay in the misery or the complacency that we know rather than the mystery and the uncertainty of following Jesus. I mean, we're comfortable there. Why change? For 38 years, this invalid had laid there by the pool. This was the life he, that, that he knew. But then one day, Jesus showed up. The man's name is never mentioned. It's never talked about, only his physical condition. He's known to us as the invalid. 38 years of lying helplessly by the pool of mercy, yet no one had taken mercy on him and carried him to the pool. He was marked by brokenness. He was marked by his disease, caught in his ability to walk. This was his identity. And yet, when I read this passage, somehow I receive comfort knowing that God takes care and takes the initiative with the no names of life, with the broken. And most of the time, God starts the healing process in the midst of our pain. See, I didn't realize that God had to break me before I could ever be used to help the broken. And in my journey, I've come to understand that God cannot use us fully until he has broken us completely. God cannot use us fully until he has broken us completely. There's one great thing about pain. Pain brings clarity. In 2002, I started to get these really weird bumps on my skin. And when I would itch them, they would break open and they would bleed. And it was a very humiliating disease. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was very painful. And it quickly began to change who I was. I literally hurt from the moment I woke up until the, morning, until the time I found sleep at night. And for those of you that live with chronic pain, you understand what I'm talking about. It consumes your life. I went to several dermatologists, but none of them can, could, could, could help me. None of them could figure out what was wrong with me. One doctor actually said, I think you have this disease, such and such, so take this medicine with a needle and inject it into your body twice a day. I did that for six months until he said, yeah, I don't think that's doing you any good. You can go ahead and stop that. So I went to doctor after doctor, and finally, finally, a doctor I found, a dermatologist, uh, was able to diagnose what I had. And I, had a, I have a disease called dermatitis herpetiformis, or DH, which is a, a skin manifestation of celiac disease or gluten intolerance. So after all these years, about three years of trying to figure out what it was, I finally came down to I was allergic to gluten. I fell into depression during this time. I, I, I didn't sleep well, I didn't want to eat. It changed completely who I was. In the past, they've called this disease the suicidal itch because people literally scratched themselves and almost wanted to die. In fact, one morning I remember I was driving into work, it was really early, and I had to drive through this hilly area near, near my house, and I literally contemplated, contemplated just driving off the road. If I just drove off the road and fell off the side of the hill, it would, it would all be over. It would all be done. That's how bad it had gotten for me. But when I, found, when I was finally diagnosed and I was given a medication that actually they give to people who have leprosy, I started, to start, I started to heal. I started to get better. And I went on a very strict gluten-free diet. And I, I just want to stop right now to say that this church, when they found out that I had this, this, this gluten intolerance, they, they have gone above and beyond. And the, the, the ladies that were here that fixed the food all weekend long, every meal they had this little gluten-free section for me. And I tell you, that is, that is amazing. So if you were here and that was you, thank you so much for taking care of me because that very seldom happens. And it, you know what, let's give them a hand right now, those people that served all weekend. 
that was not planned to say, but you know what? I'm very thankful, and, and, God, and God used those ladies to really minister to me this weekend. So I'm on the other side of my disease right now. Uh, I have found my cure, uh, but I live with it every day. I live with it every day, and it, it's a constant reminder of how much I need God, and I truly believe that God brought that into my life because pride was slowly creeping into my life, and God wanted to root that pride out of me, and he wanted me to realize how desperately I needed God because I truly believe that God uses our past to shape our future and to, to shape our present and to prepare us for our future. In John 5, we read how, how this man's pain had brought him clarity every day for the past 38 years, and then out of the blue, God called him. Out of everyone, God called out to that man, do you want to be made well? He didn't know how to respond. He didn't know what to say, and for some reason, he couldn't think or he couldn't see clearly. He was in bondage as much mentally as he was physically. Do you want to be healed? The man didn't answer yes, and he didn't answer no, but the plan for his life and his mind had been set. He was not only an invalid, but he was blind to the healer of all men, Jesus Christ, standing there right at his feet. His plan to sit and be the victim had taken over his ability to see past his pain and to have any hope for his future. After 38 years of being an invalid, sitting by the pool, his hope to walk was gone, and his dream to life had vanished. To be honest, when I first found out about my disease, I didn't see God in it. I doubted that I could even trust God. And I remember crying out to God in my pain, God, this is not the plan I have for my life. What are you doing? And little did I know that my plan of being a comfortable Christian, serving at a great church, wonderful wife and family, of being fulfilled had blinded me to the plan of God being fully realized in my life. And in my pain, God began to bring clarity. And in this invalid's case, and his apparent blindness and unwillingness to answer Jesus' call to be healed, Jesus took the initiative and had mercy. And he said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Really what he was saying to that man was, look, I'm all you've got. I'm all you've got but you have to trust me that when I tell you to do the impossible or put you in what you think is an impossible situation, I will provide the way through it. So get up and walk. Can you imagine? After 38 years, someone says, get up and walk. But when you can't see the impossible, God shows up and makes all things possible. I truly believe that full devotion to be a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ requires a life change, requires you to change your life. And Jesus knew that the most important thing on this particular day was not the man's physical healing, but his spiritual one. See, you have been made well. Go and sin no more, Jesus said. I've always wondered why God would say that after he just physically healed him. I understand that, that a little bit more now, that his physical healing was what Jesus used in his life to get his attention and then bring the true healing that was needed for his heart and his soul. When the man obeyed, physical healing became, came instantly and immediately and spiritual, spiritual healing followed. And now Jesus said to him, follow me, sin no more, because that is what truly matters. You see, the result of our sin and its eternal consequences far outweigh our physical handicap. Go and sin no more. Your life must change. 
as Christ physically freed that man at the pool in Bethesda on that day, I truly believe in 2007 that God took me to India and he freed me from just being a Christian and put me on a road to becoming a Christ follower. What does that look like, you ask? Maybe what's the difference between the two? For me, it was seeing things in scripture that I had never seen before. Or maybe it was seeing things that I didn't want to see. It was reading scripture and not saying to myself, someone else will do that. That really isn't my calling. In Proverbs 31, it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. I would read that phrase and I would convince myself that someone else would do that. It wasn't my concern. I mean, what could I do? You know, I, was, I worked for a local church and I had budgets to manage and I, I had teams that I had to lead. But the fact is, I had to face the facts and if I was gonna be a follower of Christ, I would have to change and that change would be painful. As many of you know, and I've shared this whole weekend, uh, I've been uh, um, at, at a church in Yorba Linda that's been helping to build schools for the Dalit people of India for about 14 years and especially the last seven years. And I truly believe that we are part of the greatest missional movement in our lifetime. I truly believe that. India is wide open for the mission of Jesus Christ. From justice and poverty to healthcare and education, we are helping people become followers of Jesus Christ, taking care of their physical needs first, as Jesus did for this man, and then sharing the gospel with them. And we're seeing much fruit. Before I joined the, the church, uh, before I joined French Church in 2006, I had produced two short films, and I desired to do more in the area of film. And when I got to Yorba Linda in 2007, I began to realize, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. When I got to Yorba Linda in 2007, I wanted to do more in this area, and I began to realize why God had allowed me to go through that time of, of pain with this disease and why he had allowed me to have the experience of making those two short films and to develop this passion for film in my life. He wanted to use my experience with pain and brokenness for a people group that I was about to meet. As I listened to, to, to the Dalit share about their lives, as I sat across the table from these parents and they said, our generation is lost, but please save our kids. Please, would you, would you rescue our children? Would you do what you can to save us? I saw God's plan for my life unfold. And I knew that the best way to do this would be to speak the language of our culture, which is media and film. Because you see, stories transform lives. Film reminds us that we're not alone, and media causes us to think differently. Tel television, movies, YouTube, Netflix, they, they, they've, they've allowed us to reach and engage the largest audience ever possible. Technology has so greatly advanced that the ability to watch movies on our smartphones has revolutionized our approach to communication. So leveraging that audience to take action is our focus, to see a need and respond, to mobilize our world to bring about change. That's our call. Our church got behind this idea, and after a few months and many meetings, because we're a church, so we had many meetings, we finally decided to develop, write, produce, and distribute a film that is today known as Not Today. Process started in 2008, and Not Today was released in theaters in 2013. Lionsgate saw the, saw the potential in this film and came behind it to distribute it through DVD and Netflix and video on demand. And Not Today has been a journey. It has been a journey. And like most journeys, this one's had elements of surprise and joy and sadness. To tackle a topic like human trafficking, 
human trafficking is daunting enough. To make a film in India is a whole nother story, and there's been tons of personal sacrifices. Yet as I stand here before you today, my pain and my experience and journey of not today pales in comparison to those 27 million people who are enslaved around the world today. And it pales in comparison to the 250 to 300 million Dalits who live in India as India's slave labor force every day. In India, it was like God was saying to me, Brent, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I've always wondered why Jesus told the man to pick up his mat. I mean, he'd just been healed, so leave the mat there. That mat, that mat was a reminder of his brokenness. It was, it was a reminder of his past life. But you know what? This mat was also part of his story and was part of his identity. And God was telling me in India to get up, to pick up my mat of complacency, my mat of playing church, my mat of excuses, uh, my mat of striving for financial freedom and self-fulfillment and to walk. That day in India, I truly became a Christ follower. I was done playing church. I was done passing the buck to someone else. It was time for me to read scripture and by God's prompting and by God's power to do what it told me to do. I came back a different man, a different pastor, a different leader, a different husband, a different father, because I met Jesus in India and I got off of my mat of complacency and I began to walk. John Wesley has a famous quote, do what you can where you are with what you have. Do what you can where you are with what you have. Very simple, but we need to do it. I'm gonna show you a, a five minute video here of a young, young girl named Rupa. Uh, we've seen God in India triumph through trials. We've seen him do miracles and we've seen him change lives. We've seen, use, we've seen God use the pain of someone's past to bring about the beauty of new life through Jesus Christ. So we want you to watch Rupa's story right now. India is choking on garbage. The country generates over 100 million tons of waste a year and very little of it is treated. Often the trash is picked up by an army of so-called rag pickers or scavengers. Here's the story of one rag picker whose life and livelihood turned around after she had an encounter with Jesus Christ. It's been said the most beautiful people are those who've known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, and have found their way out of the depths. Rupa Raju is one of them. I've had a difficult life since my childhood and experienced more horrible things than most people my age. You see, at a young age, Rupa was forced by her parents to join the ranks of India's so-called rag pickers. These are men, women, and young children who rummage through filthy garbage heaps in the cities of India, looking for anything that can be recycled and sold. Plastic, bottles, metal parts, pieces of glass, rotting discarded food. My day started at 4 or 5 in the morning, and I picked trash for 10 to 12 hours. On a good day, she'd earn about $2, and that was a good day. Here on the streets, where dogs were her only companion, and millions of squirming maggots, flies, rats, and crows, a constant distraction, she'd compete with other rat pickers for a few scraps. 
When I got older, my mother told me I wasn't bringing in enough money picking trash, so I was forced to sleep with men to bring more money. I became a prostitute. With tears welling up in her eyes, she describes the rage she felt toward her parents. I thought of running away. I didn't trust my parents. How could they do such a thing to me? I was angry. I wanted to kill them. I wanted something terrible to happen to them. Rupa is a Dalit, a so-called untouchable. Indian society labels Dalits lowest of the low, impure, less than human. Almost all rag pickers are Dalits. And like her, many young girls end up as prostitutes or get caught in a web of human trafficking. When I think about it, I begin to cry. But that's the past. Tonight's graduation night, and Rupa is all smiles. The Rupa of old is not the Rupa you see today. I cannot begin to explain to you what God has done in my life. She has God and Jivalin Kumar to thank for her transformation and this momentous evening. We really look forward to this night because uh, we see our women being liberated, being emancipated. Jivalin Kumar runs Tarika Women's Center, a Christian ministry that takes in, rehabilitates, and empowers scores of young women at risk. Almost two years ago, Rupa came to the center looking for help. Here, she got counseling, learned how to speak English, took sewing and computer classes, and eventually had her dignity restored. She also met dozens of other young women like herself who had similar life experiences. What I like to personally communicate to them is that I would never ever give up on any one of those women, no matter how many times they fall, because I know it is a struggle for them. Today, the Tarika Center is just one of a handful of Christian ministries operating here in India, trying desperately to rescue thousands of Dalit women from human trafficking and sexual bondage. For many of these victims, such ministries are a lifeline to a better future. Rupa says it was at the center she discovered with great delight her worth in God's eyes. I come from a Hindu background. I knew very little about Jesus Christ. When I came to Tarika, I started reading the Bible and then understood what freedom really means and how much I mean to God. Ultimately, it's the Bible's view of them that Kumar says brings lasting transformation. They can't believe it because all these years they've been told that they are lower than animals. And here we are telling them that they are created in the image of God. And that just hits them, that just blows them away. On a recent Friday evening, Rupa joined 105 women on stage for a graduation ceremony honoring their completion of an 18-month course at Tarika. And sitting in the audience that night were Rupa's mother and father. They told CBN News this was the proudest moment of their lives. The Tarika Center has done a great job. My daughter is a different person. I feel bad for the things we did to her, but now I want her to study well and have a good future. And perhaps it's this image of Rupa holding her father's hand that speaks volumes of one life transformed by the power of the gospel. She told CBN News later she's forgiven her parents for forcing her into prostitution. Every night before I go to bed, I thank God for Tarika's center. I thank God for rescuing me from my past. These days, she works as a confident sales assistant in a large department store located on the most famous shopping street in the city. Same street, by the way, where she once picked trash. 
Her real desire, though, is to minister to broken and abused young women. There are many people who took care of me and showed love to me. I want to do the same for others. That will make me happy. George Thomas, CBN News, Bangalore, India. You see, God is using her past to shape her present and to prepare her future. And she is choosing to embrace that pain that she lived with. And in that process, she found Jesus. I was, I was there that night in India, that night when she graduated from the Tarika Center, and I watched her dance with joy, and, and, and I, watched, I watched her interact with her parents. To see that life transformation face-to-face, -face, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And see, now, she just didn't experience that change for herself, but now she's using those experiences that she's had to help other women. And God could do the same thing with you and me because he's using our past to shape our present, to prepare us for our future. So how, how does God wanna use your past today? Will you let him? Will you answer him and like me and like the invalid that we read about in the Bible and like Rupa, will you get up and will you walk? Jesus is inviting us into the story that he has written for each one of our lives. Each one of us has a story to tell. Each one of us has a part to play. And all of those stories help to make up God's epic love story to this world. It isn't safe. It isn't comfortable. It isn't always certain. But the one thing we do know is Jesus will be with us. He'll be with us. And that is all the difference. It makes all the difference in the world. Remember the verse I read last night, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9? For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This morning, God is looking into this crowd right here and saying, is your heart fully committed to me? He's looking for you. He's looking for you to get up your mat, pick up your mat, and to walk. There's great encouragement for us in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, verse 3, 20 and 21. Ephesians 3, 20, 20 and 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. Consider exceedingly, abundantly, more than all we can ask or imagine. We just need to take that first step. Fully commit ourselves to Jesus Christ and let him use our past to shape our present and prepare us for the future. Would you pray with me? Jesus, this morning, we want to be fully devoted followers of you. God, it is our heart's desire to serve you with all that we have. God, sometimes we don't know how to respond when, when you give us opportunities because we're caught in, in, in whatever situation we may find ourselves in. But Lord, would you, would you help us to be obedient this morning? Would you help us to get up, to pick up our mats and to walk? And God, I pray that, that, that you would bless us with discomfort at the easy answers, the half-truths, the superficial relationships, so that you may live deeper within our hearts. And God, would you bless us with anger and injustice and oppression and exploitation of people so that we might work for justice and freedom and peace. And may God, will you bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain and rejection and starvation and war so that we may reach out your hand to comfort them 
and to turn their pain into joy. And God, would you bless us with just enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in this world through your power so that you can do what others say cannot be done. God, help us to rise, to take up our mats, and to follow Jesus today.